Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations all across the Magnolia State. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. We went from cool and rainy to something north of hot, uh, of warm. I, I think we just skipped to hot which means it's a great time to play golf at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can plan your trip. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. That's DancingRabbitGolf.com. Love to hear from you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is the way to do it, 601-879-4395. Whether you need help with wireless, home Internet, like fiber to the home or uh, business internet solutions, Ceasefire's got you covered. Visit them online at ceasefire.com. I, I, I got a text message yesterday. Came through at 518 yesterday afternoon. Michael Borky, this was an all caps text message. And it said, Baseball is back, baby. <laughs> Good afternoon, Brian. Hey, Dad. Hello. Oh, I think that came uh, around the end of the 10th inning when Mississippi State finished off a uh, big come-from-behind <laughs> victory. Ten unanswered runs uh. in yesterday's game to go from down 13-4 to a 14-13 win in 10 innings to uh, move solidly into, wait, what is it, 13th place. Hey. 13th place. In the, in the SEC. As one better than a year ago. Improvement. Yes. Getting better. Day by day. Now yes. that was that you know in a, in a season of, of not much that was a moment to enjoy, moment to savor. No question. And uh, on the heels of doing it in uh, in game two, we talked on Friday, I guess it was, about Mississippi State's plan to kind of throw off, not to uh, run Cade Smith out against Paul Skeens. That's what LSU opponents have done for the last two weekends. Auburn did it two weeks ago when they held Tommy Vale for the second game of the weekend. Auburn won that game. They won the uh, the final game of the series. Mississippi State holds Cade Smith. He pitches well on Saturday. Bulldogs get the Saturday win, and then they get the Sunday win yesterday. And uh, there appears to be a bit of a formula. Uh, look, this is taking, I, like I genuinely mean this, taking nothing away 
from what Mississippi State did this weekend, where they go and they win two out of three, had to feel good, could be, could be the difference in Chris Lamonis remaining as the head coach at Mississippi State, kind of showing some life at the end of the season, and Mississippi State looking for a new head baseball coach. I, I don't know that it's the difference one way or the other, but it could be. But to me, the bigger takeaway is I don't know that LSU is good enough to win a national championship. Or they've got super problems. Regional. They've got problems. Yeah, after the super, Paul super regional is the issue. Yeah, and I, I, I tell you, you know, I, I think Butch Thompson and Chris Lamonis have kind of provided a, blue, a blueprint for playing LSU. Like, doesn't really matter what you have. Don't throw your ace against Skeens. Now, I don't know if that applies to everybody. For example, if I was Southern Miss, I would throw Tanner Hall against Paul Skeens. But unless you have a, a bona fide ace. Don't waste your time. Go get the other two games in a series from the Tigers because Skeens is just that good, but the rest of that team has big, big holes. And I was thinking about this after that series uh, for LSU strategy in a regional. Now, four seeds are generally not somebody that you're worried about, but you do get some that have a guy that is good. You know, They, they have no choice but to hold Paul Skeens for game two. And no it, choice. And yeah. if they do... That makes game one at least a little bit more interesting than a typical one versus four in a regional because LSU just doesn't pitch it well. Especially since they've dropped a little bit in the RPI. They're not going to be the overall one or overall two seed. So they 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 are going to have to put themselves in a position where they might be playing a four seed that's reasonable, you know, that, that has a chance to, to do something. So you're absolutely right, yeah, that you, you have to hold skeins. And then, you know, we don't – Southern is on a, on a pace to host. So I don't know if they'll get paired up with Baton Rouge or, or whatever. We'll worry about that down the road. But whoever whoever plays you, uh, LSU is going to have to make some decisions, and you're going to have a chance to knock LSU out of their own regional. And you certainly – I certainly would not take LSU in a super regional right now. Yeah, like last week if you'd have told me, let's pretend that Southern Miss doesn't host, the, the committee's going to get lazy because it's what they do, and they're just going to slap them – to Baton Rouge, something that they've done before, and it's, it, LSU was there last year, and it was just going to be lazy, and that's just what they're going to do because that's what they always do. And it wouldn't be fair for one of the best twos to have to go to the number two overall seed. But, no, but no now, chance. If, if you're Southern Miss looking at this, you might think, you know, if, if we do get slapped down in Baton Rouge in a lazy way because the committee's lazy... You don't exactly hate that draw anymore like you thought you would have. Could you see you could see LSU sort of doing what State did a couple of years ago in the SEC tournament. Don't throw skeins and just get out of there, get two and queued, maybe even get beat up a little bit, but then go into the postseason and just sort of take it from there. It's possible. Yeah, has Jay Johnson been in the the SEC long enough to have a a good feel for exactly how he wants to handle Hoover? Obviously, last year was his first trip to Hoover. That was not an LSU team that's nearly as good as this one. Standings right now in the SEC have Arkansas in first place at nineteen and eight. They won uh, they won two out of three at home this weekend. Florida in second place at eighteen and nine. So those would be your your one and two seeds. The, the highest rank from the east, highest rank in the west, from the west, make up one and two, and then it's everything in order after that. Then it's LSU at seventeen and nine, 
Vanderbilt at 17 and 10. And remember, that's because of winning percentage, because the LSU South Carolina game three from that series didn't get played. South Carolina is the five seed. Kentucky is the six seed. Now, this is as of today with three games remaining in the regular season for everybody. Some combination of Auburn and Tennessee making up the seven and the eight. Alabama, the nine, they're playing really good baseball. Texas A&M, the 10, they are not playing very good baseball right now. Missouri, who is red hot at 10 and 17, and Georgia also at 10 and 17. And then you've got Mississippi State, two games behind Georgia and Missouri. They got to have some help. They got to win games this weekend, and they got to have some losses from one of those two teams or both of those teams if they're going to find themselves in the SEC tournament. Ole Miss has been mathematically eliminated. They cannot get there. So um, I think the I think the SEC network said that tiebreaker state doesn't have one with Missouri, but does have one with Georgia. I believe so that's if they accurate. finish tied with if they get finished tied with. I wonder if it's Ole Miss. I wonder if that's the tiebreaker. State took two of three. Georgia lost two of three. But that's that's the tiebreaker. But if State and Missouri finish tied, Missouri will go and State will stay home. I think you would. I don't know that it would get all the way to Ole Miss as the tiebreaker to find a, a common opponent between Mississippi State and Georgia because they both played. Oh, uh, they both played Arkansas. They have ooh, oh, swept, I, I right? I think so. I, I can't do that off the top of my head. Well, Georgia be, swept Arkansas, so I wonder what they it is. Did. Then. They, they did. Um, in that case. If they finish tied with Georgia, Georgia would have the tiebreaker because Mississippi State and Georgia did not play in the regular season. Right, so it's got to be like a combined common opponent. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, hey, all, all you know is that they have it. I don't the, think it's in the miracle. I don't know that, don't know that it's going to matter happen. either. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State with Texas A and M, a desperate Texas A and M team coming to uh, Starkville this weekend. And uh, we'll look at everything that, uh, that is coming up in SEC baseball. We're going to talk with Scott Berry coming up in just a couple of minutes. 13 straight. Baker's dozen for the Rolling. Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Just playing really good baseball. And they did what they had to do, right? I mean, it doesn't even matter what the scores were nah, this weekend. Just win. Just go win games. And they won all three games against ULM this weekend. And they got the Raging Cajuns in the final weekend of the regular season. And so certainly a series that Southern Miss needs to win. A sweep, and they're feeling really good about themselves. Probably need to get three if you want to get on the right side of the hosting bubble. Probably, right? Well, I mean... And you say the scores don't don't matter, but they kind of do when you play a terrible team. And they dominated them. They were never in doubt. Easy wins for Southern Miss. That's That's a good sign. Yeah, it was a good weekend all the way around for the Golden Eagles. We'll talk with Scott Berry about the weekend uh, that they had and about what's coming up as they get closer and closer to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. That one's going to be played in Montgomery. Is there? I guess there's really a home field advantage. I mean, Troy's kind of close. That'd be a good good park for, for Southern Miss. Should be. And that's a neat setup. Isn't that the one that's got the train station right there next to it? Kind of in the downtown Montgomery area. I think that's I think that's the case. Sports Talk Mississippi. Just getting started with you on this Monday afternoon. We'll go to the Farm Bureau guest line on the other side of this timeout to visit with the head coach of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, Scott Berry. This is Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Thirty-five and fifteen overall, twenty and seven in the conference, thirteen straight wins for the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Scott Perry joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line right now. He's the head coach of the Golden Eagles. Coach, they say play your best baseball at the uh, end of the year. Feels like the the right time of the year to be playing your best baseball, and you guys really good this weekend. That was a a good series win on the road. Congratulations. How did you feel about it? Well. Obviously, really, really good, Richard. And, you know, Monroe hasn't had the year that they wanted, obviously. So, you know, we're a little worried going into that series, uh, not getting caught up. Your guys getting caught up and all the hype that, you know, what I'd heard prior was, you know, need to, you know, should go in there and sweep. And, you know, everybody that does this for a living understands how hard it is to, to win three games and especially on the road. So it's kind of a trap, I guess I should say, and, and in that regard. But I felt like our guys were real mature and, and handled it like a seasoned team and, and did exactly what they were supposed to do when you compare the numbers and go in there and win three games, and that's what we were able to do. So in game one, it was kind of later when you got the offense going. You, you put up the fourth spot in the top of the sixth inning. You add three runs in the top of the eighth to give yourself a little bit of breathing room and Kind of withstand that little mini rally where they got a run in the eighth and, and the ninth. And Tanner Hall allowed you to do that with another really good pitching performance. Yeah, I did. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so, so good to be able to write his name on that lineup on Friday night because you know what you're going to get. He's going to, you're going to get a guy that's got a lot of pitchability. He's very competitive. A guy that models what the team wants is to go out there and lead the way, and certainly he's the he's our bell cow on, on that staff and what we want. And covered his seven innings and kept our bullpen fresh for the next two games. And you're right, I mean the offense it took a little bit. We utilized uh, in the sixth inning. We we capitalized on a walk and hit by pitch. Had a big two out uh, hit RBI two RBI base hit by. Uh, Carson Pato, and then utilized a couple of walks there to, to, to drive in some more runs with the bases loaded for those four. But Judice was a guy that they threw that uh, was only a second start. He's been a reliever. He's had 19 appearances, and uh, and uh, of those, only one was uh, as a starter. So a really good arm and kind of gave us some fits there early, but we were able to, to really have some competitive at-bats and, and get, get it in a situation where we could get a hit and then obviously build a little bit from there. may have taken you a little while to get the offense going on Friday night. That was not the case on Saturday. You look up after three innings on Saturday and you put 12 on the board. There are two guys that really stand out to me offensively. Edsel at the top of the order, I mean, sets the table. He goes four for four, drives in six, scores four runs in the game. That's a huge night from your leadoff hitter. And then Sargent, Couple of home runs in the game. Uh, you know he's at double digits for the year. Were, were those the two guys that were most important, or would you just say just kind of balance one through nine? You know we had a really good balance one through nine. Of course, nineteen runs on eighteen hits, and uh, we had five multi-run uh, home runs. Uh, three of those being three runs, three-run homers. And of course, when you have Billy Odom, that was our starter there, and went five innings and. After the first inning through 13 pitches, uh, we had to set 
for an hour and a half through three lightning delays. And uh, there was kind of a decision maybe not to go back out there with him after an hour and a half. But the 13 pitches, and he convinced us that he'd been staying loose inside the locker room, throwing a ball against the wall. And, uh, you know, we we rolled with it. And i tell you what, it, it, he picked up right where he left off there in the second inning and covered the next four. And, uh, and, then, and then we went to the bullpen and just kind of went an inning apiece. The game was kind of out of out of hand at that time. But, you know, offensively, our guys showed up in, in a big way and put up some big numbers and uh, some crooked number uh, innings, which were was really hard for Monroe to recover from. Visiting with Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, you, you never want injuries to happen, right? You, you you would prefer not to deal with those, but the reality of baseball is you're going to have some guys that, that get banged up and, and miss some time along the way. You had Matt Adams miss some time in the middle of the season. It forced some other guys to step up, and now you've kind of gotten him back, and he's settled into that Sunday role. Pitches well yesterday. Do you see that now that you've you've kind of weathered the storm as a positive in being able to kind of find some other guys, either as starters or out of the pen that you can rely on, and now getting Matt back and kind of in the form that he was in at the beginning of the year? Yeah, you know, Matt, uh, he went down that, that Easter weekend at Old Dominion on that on that Saturday, that first game on Saturday, and missed his next uh, three starts. And now he's been able to uh, come back from that. And sun- Sunday was his third start after after the rehab, and and has really gotten stronger each time. Richard, I mean, he he pitched really good yesterday. Gave up a couple runs. One of the runs, the first run we gave up, uh, you know, probably shouldn't have happened. Had a little letdown defensively. Wasn't an error, but just mental letdown. Let a guy get on base. Of course, the the two out situation found found the hole to get the guy in then he gave up a solo homer after that but i thought he pitched really well and with him coming back that's pushed nico mazza uh into the bullpen and he he served time there in long relief and well i mean he hasn't disappointed and didn't disappoint yesterday went three innings only gave up two hits and uh and no runs and before we handed off to justin storm who struck out the side there in the ninth and Pitching really performed well. Offensively, obviously it was hard to duplicate what we did on Saturday and the number of hits and runs. Uh, I thought that Monroe had a sense of urgency, even though they've been eliminated from any kind of tournament play. It's probably what made them really dangerous and played loose in the fact that they really had nothing to lose. And, and, and they played, played us really well. But at, at, at the end of the game, we were able to grind out some innings and get some runs in there uh, and, and get a that sweet. I've always heard people say, Scott, that this time of year, especially if you're playing good baseball, is about the coolest experience there is for a college baseball player. You're done with classes. Your focus is solely on baseball. you got finals in the rearview mirror, final gate week of the regular season, conference tournament, NCAA regional play after that. Do you get that sense from your guys that now that they've got the weight of the school year lifted off the, uh, of them and it can just be baseball for the next few weeks, almost like they're kind of back in high school in the summer? Yeah, you know, and I, I equate it to, to pro ball, honestly, where yeah. you're getting paid to play and you're not having to go to class. I know there's probably some minor league guys that are still taking online classes, but 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 at that point when you make that career jump and – Unfortunately, not everybody gets to do that. There's a, a small minority that, that do, but all of us right now with finals being done, I mean, it's like you're playing 
professional baseball. I mean, that's your job to go out and play and, and have fun. And that's what I really try to try to emphasize with these guys. There is no study and there is no class. It's all baseball, man. And if you ever want to play pro baseball, I mean, this is what it's like. And I had that conversation with a scout this morning and in this very thing that we're talking about. So, yeah, it's a great time of year. Uh, finals are over, and it's uh, just get ready to play. And uh, that's what that's what we do. And we have a tough one coming in this, this Thursday, Friday and Saturday, in this last conference and regular season series against Lafayette, who's playing really, really good. They've uh, they've swept their last two conference series, and you know on paper uh, they're very athletic. They're going to run. They have 153 stolen bases and 203 attempts. Wow, uh, 117 doubles. I mean, everybody, even the managers, have the green light if they get on base. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> they are they are running, and you know. But I think that's a seed that they want to plant in your mind that they they everybody does have the green light. So that kind of takes your pitcher's focus off from off from that hitter, and you know what happens then, you, you leave a mistake, and, and here we go. So, you know, the key this weekend is going to be, you know, not giving the freebies and the, and the, the walks, the hit batters, you know, not being able to steal first, um, you know, and just keeping them off the base paths and playing good baseball and, and limiting them to 27 outs each game. And Scott, I, I think back to – Conference USA, when it was really rolling from a baseball standpoint, just think about all of those series where the stakes were so high between you guys and Rice. And when the, the move was announced to the Sun Belt, and, you know, we obviously it took us a while to get there, um, I, I kind of looked at this. I was like, okay, this is this may be the next layer of that, the, the Raging Cajuns and the Golden Eagles. I know Coastal Carolina, really good program, and other good programs in the league. Did you have that thought ever that, you know what, this this could be rolling into what, turns into a really good rivalry oh i think so i mean regionally and, and just travel and both fan bases will be able to to uh to, to make those trips where in, in conference usa it was you know it was hard for people to make that trip to rice there were a few you yeah. know mostly parents but you know you're having fan that that's out there right now and, you know they'll more They'll love to go to Lafayette, and Lafayette people will be willing to come here. So, and the same thing with South Alabama and Troy. So, you know, I think in that regards, the Sun Belt has been an awesome move for us. But you're right. I mean, Conference USA. You know, I think back in 21, uh, where there were four of our teams in the top 25, one team hosted a regional. Uh, two should have hosted. Uh, you know, Old Dominion should have hosted. They went to South Carolina as a number one seed there because they didn't put in for a bid so you know yeah. conference usa baseball on any given year was really really good but you know i like this sunbelt i mean there's parity there and and it's just like just like any other league i mean it, it changes from week to week i know the pete's going to be rocking this weekend final weekend of the regular season coach thanks so much for your time and uh we'll be watching and listening this weekend always a pleasure richard thank you Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. 13 straight wins for the Golden Eagles. Raging Cajuns coming to town this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will continue with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Scott Barry on the Farm Bureau guest line. Always appreciate him joining us. Chris Lamonis will be with us in the 4 o'clock hour. We will not be able to visit with Mike Bianco today. They are having an athletics department graduation ceremony for the athletes that had conflicts over the weekend. They've got six baseball players and three managers that are walking, and that is from 4 to 6 this afternoon. So uh, did have Mike Bianco last week. He's not going to be able to join us this afternoon, uh, we appreciate all three coaches all season long spending some time with us on Monday afternoons. Speaking of Ole Miss baseball, we get a message on the C Spire text line. Uh, Ole Miss, by the way, swept this weekend from Auburn uh, by Auburn. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through the show. Uh, the Rebels were scheduled to play Austin P tomorrow night in Oxford. And the message that we get is, thoughts on Ole Miss bailing out of their midweek game. That's not exactly what happened. Now, I understand that if you want to be jaded about it, you can be jaded about it. Austin P still has a chance to make their conference tournament. That is a Tuesday night game for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this weekend. That is a four-hour bus ride each direction for a team that's like 23 and 28 on the year and is limited in terms of pitching. And my understanding is they reached out to Ole Miss and said, hey, is there a scenario where we could not do this? And Ole Miss was like, sure, whatever. Um, Which is understandable considering the spot that Ole Miss is in at this point. The irony, though, of a year later, Ole Miss is being asked to cancel games to help a team's postseason chances. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with RPI, though, this time. It's no, 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 but, but it, it is funny. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, that would be that would have been even funnier if Ole Miss's RPI was low enough. Like, we can't afford this. Buddy, that would have been funny. But, as yeah. Journey said, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. <laughs> that is uh, yeah. that is perhaps a good way to... Uh, Good way to put it. Where is Ole Miss's RPI? They're at 79. Uh, the, the, right I mean, they got embarrassed this weekend. That's not that bad. They, they, flat out embarrassed at home. I mean, with, with a chance to still make the conference tournament, uh, uh, albeit kind of a, a distant chance, but still a chance, and we're totally non-competitive for three games. I mean, they, yeah. they, the, the season was dead. It's been a disaster. Ole Miss baseball 2023 has been a disaster, despite what some random guy says to me. On Twitter, it, it, this is a fascinating offseason upcoming for Ole Miss baseball. Fascinating. Because the game has changed some. It's not how it used to be. And recruiting's changing quickly, too. You, you can't get a ninth grader committed anymore. That's done. So, so even the traditional recruiting has changed in college baseball moving forward. I do think there are too many people, as we said last week or two weeks ago, that think that Mike Bianco is incapable of figuring this out. I think you're insane if you think that he is incapable of figuring this out. You're nuts. You have two decades of sample size that tells you the man can coach baseball. But it is a little different now. Things are changing some. There is a transfer portal that's available. Your peers are investing in the NIL sphere. If you're going to beat Arkansas and LSU and Mississippi State and Texas A&M and Tennessee and South Carolina, you, you've got to be forward-facing when it comes to raising money in NIL. Because yeah. Ole Miss baseball is not just going to sell itself to players in this era. And the same applies to Mississippi State and LSU, all of them. Money is now a factor, and you can hate that. But there's a reason Paul Skeens is in Baton Rouge. LSU has invested heavily 
in its roster. South Carolina kind of went below the radar, but they got really, really serious in the offseason, and they made a significant investment in their roster. And Ethan Petrie was a top 100 player nationally that is probably going to be the SEC freshman of the year. Um, they Isn't got that some part other pieces. of it, too, where if you've got guys that are on uh, teetering on going pro or not, I mean, it's not just transfer portal that you need money for. It's yeah, guy gets drafted in the 12th guys. round and it's like, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Hmm. Don't you feel like LSU maybe misspent a little bit on Tommy White? Like, are they that different without Tommy White offensively? He's yeah, been very, very good, but he was his numbers. But, but, good. but, wouldn't that money have been better spent getting another pitcher to go with Skeens? Or I, I they just bought a Lamborghini to have one. I, I don't yeah, think that's entirely fair. Arms. Because okay. LSU got decimated with injuries on its pitching staff. But before the season began, they lost what they thought was going to be a weekend starter, and their two best arms out of the bullpen at like the what third, maybe halfway point of the season, went out for the year. So, and look, I mean, far be it for me to be an LSU baseball apologist. That's not at all what I'm doing here. I just, I I think they thought they were in a whole lot better shape. And maybe the point is you can never be in good enough shape on the mound. But Paul Skeens and Ty Floyd, okay, plenty good. Chase Shores, they lost him for the year. He had appeared in seven games and had four starts. He had a 1.96 ERA. Um, who was the other one? It was... It's the freshman. Was it, was it Garrett Edwards? Was, was he the Maybe, other one? I don't remember. That in 10 appearances also had a sub-2 ERA with 27 strikeouts and five walks. I mean, those were their top two arms kind of out of the pen slash a starter Plus, and I don't remember the, the guy's name that they thought was going to be a starter that got hurt before the season began. But, I mean, you, you look at what they've got. I mean, it's Ackenhausen. It is, it is Garrett Edwards, yes. Yeah. So Ackenhausen has struggled. Blake Money has struggled. Did he pitch it all this weekend? Has he been hurt also? I don't think I don't he think pitched he this pitched. weekend. Hmm. Um. Riley Cooper, a guy that pitched 30 times for them last year, and this year he's thrown 22. He's got 22 appearances. Just really average. ZRA's almost six. Christian Little has had really a hard time throwing strikes. Thatcher Hurd's been a disaster in SEC play for them and and struggled this weekend when he came into the game. They've got pitching problems, but they've got three pieces that they thought were big-time contributors that really changes them on the weekend. But still. But 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 your point about Tommy White, yeah. I mean, he's hitting 396 with 18 home runs, 84 runs batted in, and a 797 slugging percentage. He's, he's fantastic, but they're still a really good offensive team if he's not there, I think. Also, doesn't he not play third base great? No, but that's why he came to LSU. I know, but... Wherever he was going, he was going to be guaranteed a defensive position. And, you know, if you hit it well enough, it doesn't matter. They're going to find a spot for you. But there was a couple of balls that were hit to him over the weekend where I thought, you know, a better defender makes those plays. (laughs) They were doubles down the line. He was a DH at NC State. Yeah. 
And and it's probably the biggest reason that he left NC State. Was well, like, hmm. you can hit, but you don't do for much for us. I mean, he's got ten errors at third base this year. Ten of LSU's Only thirty-nine 10? errors on the season belong to Tommy White. And it seems like there's some home cooking on. I mean, there was a double yesterday, for wow. example, that a good third baseman makes the play, throws a guy out at first, and he's just he's not him. Yeah. Yeah. But he hits 400, so, you know. LSU, LSU as a team has 102 home runs this season. Gosh. They can really hit. It's so funny. It's like, that's a lot of home runs, and then you think, well, Furnace and Larson hit 78 in one year. So. Combined, yes. Yes, that's yeah, a, right. uh, that is a real number. They, they can really hit, but, uh, I mean... When postseason baseball comes, and let's pretend for a second that they get to a super regional, that they avoid Southern Miss and they are they are able to make it to the second round, unlike last year. Uh, wouldn't you expect? I, by them the to... way, how about 102 home runs being fourth best to the SEC? My gosh, yeah, uh, tough year to be a pitcher. Ball's flying out this year. Yeah, it's almost like they adjusted the baseball a little bit to. They did help it go over the fence more, but you would think that, despite them being elite offensively, you got to pitch your way to Omaha, don't you? In this era, even though home runs and stuff are up, and but it feels like you got to pitch your way there. Uh yes. I just don't think you can be a one-trick pony. I mean, Ole Miss won the national championship last year because Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott carried them. But but during that run, right, so so they had the their first game against Arizona was a well-pitched game. Their second game, the, the winner's bracket game against Miami, they won that with pitching, and then they slugged their way to a regional title. They pitched it great against Southern Miss, but the offense was good in both of those games. And then they had the what the the two to one win against Arkansas in Omaha in that massive game, and had good pitching in the championship series, but they also slugged their way through Omaha. What the when they beat Auburn, the first game against Arkansas. I think it's a combination. I like. I don't think you can just do one thing well. And Tennessee's the example, right? I mean, they were unstoppable offensively and great on the mound a year ago, and then they ran into somebody else who could hit it and pitched it a little bit better than they did. And Notre Dame went to Omaha instead of Tennessee. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. You know that the uh, temperature is rising, so you want to feel good outside. You can do that in a new golf shirt from Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Their performance fabrics 
feel great. They're lightweight, they're soft, they're moisture-wicking, they uh, kind of prevent odor a little bit, so uh, you don't get that sticky, clammy feel when, you, uh, when you're wearing a genteel golf shirt. You can, what? Why are you laughing? Nothing, just continue. What? It's a type of material Continue. that keeps you from smelling horrible. No, no, hey, it's moisture wicking. Yes, I know. Yeah, it just kind of takes, takes that sweat right off your body. There you go. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Online, you can find them at genteelapparel.com. Enter your email address when you make your order and get 10% off so you can save money and look great with Genteel Apparel. Um, Let's just take a we hit standings earlier, and you've got the scenarios and, and all of that. And we don't have to like look at all the different ways that, that Mississippi State could get to the SEC tournament. But they gave themselves a chance by winning two in Baton Rouge this weekend. And then we could do this, so you're saying there's a chance thing. What do you think? No. I mean, it's going really, to be really, really tough. I mean, like I said, you have to, they have to be two games ahead of either or of, they have to catch up two games on Georgia or Missouri. Um, Missouri has Auburn this week. Auburn's been playing really, really well. So, I mean, I would take Auburn to win the series, but that would mean State has to sweep Texas A&M. And honestly, I mean, even with the way they played last week, and they played really well, Mississippi State, they, they, they got to the series win. You know, I don't know what that team, what team's going to show up at Diddy Noble this weekend. So, I mean, you know, if it's a team that played the previous three weeks, they'll lose that series to Texas A&M. So, I, I'm not planning for Mississippi State to be in Hoover. I don't think they're going to make it. Um, but, you know, they do have the, that sliver of a chance. LSU at Georgia. That's obviously one you're keeping an eye on. The way that Georgia has been playing, I don't know that you pick LSU to go in and sweep them. And Missouri at Auburn, and I mean that's two of the hottest teams in the SEC right now. I, if we had back in February at the beginning of the season looked at the final week of the regular season and said, "All right, Ole Miss at Bama, Arkansas at Vandy, Mizzou at Auburn, Florida at Kentucky, LSU, Georgia, A and M State, Tennessee, South Carolina," I don't know that we would have said, "You know, maybe the most important series this weekend is Missouri at Auburn," but it just might be, hmm. especially for Auburn who has just gone crazy in the second half of league play. Auburn was, they were 5-10 and 10 at the halfway point. Ten games below 500. Since then, they've gone 6-3. and three. Is that right? I thought they were above 500. Okay, so they're 11-13 and 13 now in the league. Two straight series wins and a sweep, is that did I do that math right? I guess that's that shouldn't right. be right. They should have played twenty-seven games. Yeah, this is these standings are old. That's I'm last sorry. week's. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at so I'm they're they're, at they're fourteen and thirteen. There if, you that, go. if that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So after five and ten at the halfway point, nine and three cents. Yeah. That's some good playing. Yeah. That is some. They're good baseball playing. They're all. playing really well, and then you have Vanderbilt. You have the other side of that coin, who has just fallen apart here late. Well, they've lost eight of the last nine, right? Is that right? 
They got swept by Tennessee, and they got swept. They lost two out of three to Alabama, and they got swept this weekend, right? Wow. In Gainesville. Yeah. That is kind of crazy to think about, and they yeah. host Arkansas this weekend. Who's got a chance to win the SEC outright? Nah, not good. Tough, uh, tough break for the the Vanderbilt Commodores. It'll be interesting to see, see the it. updated. NCAA regional projections from uh, the guys at D1 yeah. and also from Baseball America. I guess those will come out on Wednesday. So we yeah. will uh, certainly spend some time on uh, on those coming up. Winners and losers, that's how we will begin the 4 o'clock hour. Chris Lamonis will join us at uh, 20 minutes after 4. We'll talk with him about the weekend that was for the, uh, the Mississippi State baseball team down in Baton Rouge. You can send us your winners and losers from the weekend on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. One hour in the books, 4 o'clock hour coming up next. Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. to be with you on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. You can uh, be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. It's Monday. It's 4 o'clock. Let's get to some winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? It's a really simple exercise that we go through every Monday. Michael Borky, lead us off with a winner. Doyle Brunson, may he rest in peace. The Texas Dolly passed away over the weekend, but man, what a life. Uh, Ten-time World Series of Poker champion, including two main events. Fascinating guy. I was reading about him earlier. 
And uh, ran a four-minute and 40-second mile in high school. Uh, played college basketball. Was drawing interest in 1950 from the Minneapolis Lakers until he broke his leg. And it required a crutch for a while. Got his bachelor's degree. Took a sales job. And his first night on the job played poker with some people in the sales office and won a month's salary playing poker. Decided, this isn't for me. Became a poker pro and uh, it was off and running ever since. He, especially in my generation, mine and a little bit older, I guess, but back when ESPN was truly the worldwide leader, and if you were up after midnight, you were, you know, curfew happened, you were in, you couldn't go anywhere, and you snuck into the bonus room to put on ESPN, and you got to watch the World Series of Poker, and the figurehead of that was Doyle Brunson. 89 years young, may he rest in peace. Love the story have, at the New, uh, York, New York Post with the headline that says, Poker player Doyle Brunson spent sp- part of his $75 million fortune looking for Noah's Ark. Hmm. All right. Well, somebody I have found what they at, think uh, it is. I have played at Binion's Horseshoe in the room where they uh, they, they do that. They're back in the old days. Now it's gotten so big they have it at the, one of the big casinos. But uh, I've played in that room and seen the Wall of Champions and uh, oh, wall some money in there. <laughs> You're right, though, Vorky, about the the old school World Series of Poker when ESPN carried all of it, yeah. or you know when they go back and watch the if you're watching Rounders and they go back and watch the '85 or '86 where they they watch the scene and they get Doyle Brunson in there. That's uh, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, man, it was so they do the reruns of Sports Center. And then it would be World Series of Poker or World's Strongest Man. Yeah. He stayed up to like 6 a.m. That's when the aerobics started. Yeah. And then later in the morning, we're talking late 80s, Body by Jake would come on. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Now, now we have eclipsed Borky's memory of uh, ESPN and its morning programming schedule. That, that was uh, a few mm. years before my time. Yeah. yeah. Probably more like mid-80s. It did the aerobics yeah. on the mats on the beach. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, come on, what, let's, let's get to something uh, something else. Uh, here's a winner for you. How about Jason Day? Uh, won the, uh, the Byron Nelson yesterday. He is now a two-time winner at that tournament, seventh different player to win that tournament uh, multiple times. We're talking a former number one in the world who is a major champion but had been five years without winning and has really fought a bunch of injuries. Man, he just looked good yesterday. Played really well. He won the 2015 PGA Championship, kind of rounding into form as they head toward uh, Rochester, New York for the PGA this uh, this weekend, but uh, congratulations to Jason Day, winner on the PGA Tour yesterday for the first time in five years, and it feels like, man, that guy was due, and uh, really kind of cool to see all of his family there to uh, celebrate with him as he was coming off of uh, 18, and had to wait, had to wait to uh, make sure there wasn't an eagle on 18 before uh, it was clear that he was the winner. First time winning since 2018 at the Wells Fargo. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I mean, don't I sort of have to go with Mississippi State baseball this weekend to go down to LSU? And you, you under in, no in a obligation series that, to do that? I feel like I am. If 
in a series that nobody you – know, coaches love to play the nobody believes in us card, especially when people actually do believe in them. But Chris Lamone is playing that card this weekend. He was correct. Nobody believed in him. And, you know, especially after Friday night, they get run-ruled, and you think, okay, this series is going to go exactly like we all thought it would. And, and not only did they win, but they came from behind in both games, including they were behind 13-4 to on Sunday. Um, they got big hits all up and down the lineup. They had a couple of pitching performances that were, that were very solid. It's not a great season. It's not a great team. It, it has not been a year that to remember. But that was a, a fun, fun little moment along the way. Uh, that was enjoyable. You've had a couple of them this year. That was definitely one of them going down to LSU. Weird stat. State hasn't beaten LSU in a series in Starkville since, I think, 2006. It has been a long, long time since State has taken a series here in Starkville from the Tigers. But they've won three of the last four series in Baton Rouge. Hmm. Go figure. Weird. Hard to yeah. uh, hard to make that make sense. An addendum to uh, your Mississippi State as a winner, David Bershon, co-SEC freshman yeah. of the week after a couple of multi-hit games over the like weekend. Him. Big part, big like part of Mississippi State success. Uh, Another board? They've dual, got a good young core. They do. But A dual winner and loser. The winner is Tristan, uh, Tristan Casas for handling... What I think is a bat, you know what, crazy question from Carl Ravitch. So he's mic'd up during the game oh. yesterday. Mic'd up. I think the bases are loaded, or there's two men on at this point, and then a walk happens during this. He, he's talking to Carl Ravitch, getting interviewed during a game yesterday, obviously being Mother's Day. And this was the question. Uh, the answer is great, but listen to this. Pretty noted, Gorman. We had Alex Cora on. I know your mom passed away when you were young. What does Mother's Day mean to you and, and your brother? Yeah, the, uh, you know, what happened was unfortunate to me, but I have so many mother figures in my life. Um, whether they have my last name or whether they don't, um, I've had so much support from everybody, uh, you know, around my, in and around my circle yeah. that I, I don't even feel like I missed out on anything. Yeah. So, classy answer. But, yeah. hey, you're in the middle of a baseball game. Your mom died when you were young. What does Mother's Day mean? Whoa, Carl! Like, what? not everything has to be a you know a story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just you knew the guy's mom would passed away. It's it's fair. You don't have to ask him about Mother's Day. You don't. Mm. Carl yeah. gearing up for that College World Series run. run. Can't wait. Oh, where he finds out where Baton Rouge is. Yeah. But I mean that that's crazy, right? That that's just. Yeah, I don't think he's broadcast a college baseball game all season. Oh, no. But anyway, no. player handled that with class. That was a really cool answer. But I kind of feel like, hey, your mom died when you were young. How's Mother's Day for you? It's insane. Those in-game interviews can be so good. But it feels like there's a line you need to not cross also when you're doing those interviews. Like... Do you want to do something to really distract the player from the game beyond the fact that you're talking to him live on the air while he's playing? I don't know, man. It's it's that's a bum deal. I'm not so sure I wouldn't put that on the losers list. I, I guess well, Ravage yeah, yeah, loser. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Hey, Dad, you got a loser? I'm gonna wait a couple more weeks on one of them. I got like another week or two before I can just throw that one out. But we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll save it for another day. Um, the Sixers up three two. Oh, okay. you know where I'm going. I got it. The know. Sixers. Oh, it's Arsenal. They totally uh-huh. bottled it. Come on, man. 
<laughs> you were you were talk, you were so happy. You oh, I can make fun of Haydad now because I happened to pick. Yeah, how did that turn out? They're gonna be. They're not gonna win it again. Who hey, would have guessed? What what, uh, what happened? The matter. No idea. <laughs> uh, they they they're four points down with with uh, three games to play. They, they they've lost. City has just turned it on. Man, I think City has lost in two months. Well, okay. So, but you were so you were so happy earlier in the season. But so I'm gonna go all I did was today. yell about the cannons a bunch. I'm the only person on planet Earth ah, yeah. that calls the Arsenal ah. Gunners the cannons. It was a thing. It's all Boom the same to me. The cannons. It's, all, it's all the same to me. The Sixers, up 3-2. They had a chance to close out the Celtics at home. Not only did they not do that, they got embarrassed yesterday. It hurt. I hate the Celtics. I wanted the Sixers to win. But the process... It hasn't worked out as well as they would hope. Yeah, Embiid's quote in a larger context is a little bit better. But when he says the phrase, mm-hmm. James and I can't win games on our own, when James Harden and he were the worst players on the floor, when the supporting cast shot 50% played well, and he, the MVP, stunk it up and Harden stunk it up, don't throw your teammates under the bus when you were the bad one. Chris Lamonis coming up next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. On this Monday afternoon, time for us to visit with Chris Lamonis. He visits with us at these, uh, this time each week during baseball season on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coach, I feel like I need to apologize. This is going to feel like I'm, I'm throwing somebody under the bus, and I don't mean to. Or maybe I do mean to. Uh, I think Brian Haydad's faith was shaken just a little bit. But I'm happy to let you know that at 518 last night, I got a text message from him in all caps that said, Baseball is back, baby. What a weekend. Congratulations. Great <laughs> series win for, uh, for your ball club in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate it. Um, man, they still got some fight in them. Um, you know, to go there, to go to LSU and and win two games that we were behind, um, man, it shows a lot of fight in, in the kids. I mean, when you think about the way the weekend unfolds, so 10-run rule in the first game, and that's not certainly the way you want to start a series, but you made the decision to hold Cade Smith. And it's, a, I know, kind of a calculated decision. It's two weeks in a row. Auburn did that with Tommy Vale last weekend. You hold Cade Smith for, for game two. And I think you even said after the first game, we we got to come in here and try and win some games, and, and that was the best way to do it. Just kind of walk us through that. Is it is it hard to make that decision? Yeah, it's really hard because, uh, you know, you hate to take somebody's big blow first game, you know, especially with a team that probably lacks a little bit of confidence. You know, going in, and I thought, you know, Brock Tapper for us, I mean, it was five to one in the six. We still had a chance, you know, trying to get Skeens out of there, and then they were able to get a couple runs there late. But we had a ball game, you know, at that point. We had a couple opportunities, knowing Skeens was probably out of there the next inning, but uh, just couldn't get to it. And then, but we we knew we had to win something, and we had to match up. And we felt like Cade was was the, was the guy that we needed to match up with. So you mentioned a second ago the, the come from behind. You, you do it with big innings late in consecutive days. So uh, just walk me through kind of the comeback on Saturday 
And then yesterday, you're down 13-4, to four, and it's like everybody's just kind of packing up, and it's a sleepy Sunday, and then all of a sudden, you just kind of start throwing haymakers. Well, well, we knew that their weakness was their bullpen, and so for us, you know, it's, it's to keep fighting, keep playing, keep going, um, and, and that's what they did. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the hard part about yesterday is it was so hot. We had some kids, you know, we had a couple kids that had to get IVs, and we had a couple kids that came out of the game, and uh, the ones that we went to, they just kept kept playing, and we were able to get some big hits in there. I thought Dakota Swing, you know, kind of got us the momentum to be back in. And the key to yesterday's game was was Tyler Davis. Tyler Davis gave us the hold. And I kept challenging our team. I kept walking up in our dugout. Somebody's going to come out of the pin and stop them and give us a great effort, and we're going to have a chance to win this game. And he actually did. He threw four shutout innings and, and gave us a chance to win. Coach, take us on the last play of that game because your your middle infielders, David Mershon and Imani Larry, they kind of sell that that's a ground ball, and it's not. It's it's a fly ball yep. to the outfield, and you end up getting the double play there. Is that something that that y'all coach every week, or is that something that they just sort of pulled out of the rabbit's hat? How did that work? Well, it's talked about. You talk about it. It's not taught every week, but it's talked about just deking them and. Um, it's probably talked about when you're a young kid too. So they, they've probably grown up their whole life with it. They did a great job and, and really the throw by Kellum. I mean, if it's not right on line, he's safe. And, you know, in that ballpark, you know, that ball, any ball can be a, be a homer. And, uh, you know, to get out of it with that man was huge. Let's talk a little bit more about Mershon, named the SEC Freshman of the Week today. He had a, a great week and just getting on base, you know, on top of having you know a, a lot of hits. He was able to walk. He was able to work some counts for you. He's really come on late in the, in the season and has, has become another valuable piece for you. Just tell us a little bit about his development and, and you know since he's gotten into the starting lineup. Yeah, he's just a spark plug. I mean, really knows the game, really plays the game. He's a baseball rat. He just wants to be around it all the time and, and, and does a lot of good things, man. He can bunt, he can run, he can defend. He, he's got a good bat. He's a switch hitter. Um, it's very high energy, so you're getting that. And he actually, you know, he was pushing to play a lot early in the year and got hurt the weekend before we started. He was out like six weeks. So that made a really – that's really what hurt his development more than anything is just the, the hamstring injury he had early. And you can tell he's back and feeling great and, and playing great baseball. And and I mean, you kind of alluded to it as saying you, know, you almost stuck him in the lineup out of necessity, and then he really didn't give you an option but to stay in the lineup. Yeah, he's, he shows up every day, and he is working every day, and he lives this game. I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's a weekend in the fall, and we have camp. I look up, and he's sitting in the stands watching camp, and that's when you know this kid is, you know, that's all he wants to do is play baseball. And he comes from a very big Catholic family, but it's a lot of baseball players in that family, and, and he's just grown up that way. Coach, talk to us about this final week. North Alabama tomorrow night, so you get a home game there, and then a, a three-game series, and you've still got a chance uh, in terms of getting to the SEC tournament. Got to make up some ground. Not much margin for error. How do you approach this final week of the season, and especially this weekend with A&M coming in? Well, we need to, you know, we need to play well tomorrow. You know, our guys need to come out and play well tomorrow. And I know it's, um, you know, to get a, you know, to feel good, to, ha- to have some good at bats, to play a good game. Uh, we're going to start Parker Sinet, so hopefully he can give us a good, good start there. And then, you know, as we swing back around into the weekend, it, you know, we just I mean, we got to win game one. You know, really, we got to do everything we can to win game two, and then game one, and then 
hopefully win game two and then just kind of work it that way. I haven't, you know, they know the scenarios. They know everything. Um, they knew it this weekend, and that's probably one reason you didn't see them, you know, quit fighting. And um, we need to go out and play a really good game one and get some momentum in the weekend. And then hopefully we can come to the ballpark and figure it out pitching-wise each day and, and, and see what we can do. I'm curious if if the decision to hold Kate Smith to Saturday affects what you're able to do this weekend with it being a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Well, it done, it, that was part of the decision too, man. That was the hard part. Is, um, but but you, you're going to have him Friday. You know, you don't have him this Thursday, but you have him Friday, and you have low Saturday. We just have to figure out Thursday, and that's the you know. That's the toughest piece of it, and um, you know, with us having some arms out, it just makes it you know somebody's going to have to step up for us. But it, they're going to have to step up on the last day or the first day, and and hopefully we can uh, get somebody to step up for us and and us play a good game there on Thursday. But it does like we had, I'd had people say, hey man, are you going to use throws Kate on Sunday? I said, there's no way you can throw Kate on Sunday because you got the short week on the backside. That's what that's what makes this last week of the season kind of tricky. Yeah. Is it a good thing, all in all, to have this last series as a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday series? If, if, I mean, I guess you know all year long that you've got that. Does it make sense? Yeah. With the quick turnaround for the start of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you have to with the tournament because the tournament is so. I mean, you know, when you start on Tuesday in a tournament, it makes for a tough game there too. You know, so for playing games and everything else, so it's it's what you have to do. I mean, it's just it's not ideal for anybody, but everybody's in the same scenario. Yeah. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on a great weekend, and thanks for spending these Mondays with us all season long. It's uh, it's really been enjoyable for us, and we appreciate you giving us the time to do it each week. Thanks, guys. No problem. Y'all take care. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. You probably could have added two plus two there and gotten four without him telling us, but, but uh, telling us that. But confirmation that it's going to be Friday before you uh, you see Cade Smith, and that's a function of holding him until Saturday this past weekend. Uh, and you just can't you don't want to go on five days rest, especially for a guy that's, that's right. dealt with some injury throughout the course of the season. Yeah, this late in the season, especially. I mean, maybe it was something different if State was fighting for an SEC championship. Maybe you want to do that, but. As it is, yeah, the player's health should definitely be paramount. And that's something you know this as well as anybody. That Coach Lamonis has done a great job through the years of, of protecting his pitchers and, and, and yeah. keeping them healthy. And so not no surprise to see there. And, of course, you know we basically got the full rotation there because the TBD was going to be in there one way or the other, but that'll be Thursday with Gerangelo going on on Saturday. Yeah. Now, what a wild weekend. So a, a 12-1 to loss on Friday. And that included a flurry from LSU in the in the seventh to end it. And then Mississippi State with a 9-4 win on Saturday in game two. And that was a game they trailed, what were they down, 4-2? to and they, Yeah, they were down, it was 4-2 to going into the eighth inning. And then six runs in the top of the eighth and a run in the top of the ninth, and boom, it's 9-4. to And then yesterday, I mean, down 13-4. to 13-4. The game's over. I mean, it's teetering on the brink of the run rule, and then all of a sudden, not the case. Mississippi State scores four in the sixth, five in the seventh, they get a run in the tenth inning, and they go from down 13-4 to winning 14-13. Frankly, it should have been more. Yeah, and uh, they stranded, well, they left bases loaded twice, I think. 
in, in the later innings. And for State, a team has been run ruled so many times this year. To be down thirteen to four and not pack it in, I mean, say again, you know, it, it, does it matter in the the big picture of things, the long haul? No, but that's impressive to to not give in down nine runs when you've been run ruled, you know, seven times previously this season. Yeah, didn't Dakota Jordan's home run hit somewhere about three quarters of the way up off the face of the video board? That was a tank. Yes, that was that laser. I mean, just four fifty eight. There were some was, big uh, shots that hit, were hit this weekend. Hayden Dravinsky yeah. for LSU had a monster shot had one, yeah. mixed in as well. Uh, thanks to Chris Lamonis for joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We're back with you right after this. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. CC and Senatobia on the C Spire text line. Hey, Dad, I'll just throw this one at you. So do you think that uh, Chris Lamontis is safe for another year? You know, after last weekend, I didn't. And now I feel like the tide is maybe turning back towards him staying a little bit. I don't really have a good feel for it, though. Um, and I don't think that you should let one weekend make your decision for you be it a sweep by Arkansas or taking a series from LSU, whatever it is, you have to look at the program as a whole. Do you feel like they're moving in the right direction? Do you feel like there's been positive momentum since you made the change with, with, with Scott Foxhall, things like that? Um, and, you know, and Chris Lemonis has got to present a plan. And, you know, who's his new pitching coach going to be? Can you get a, a big name? And there's, a lot, there's a lot of questions he's going to have to answer. My guess is, Richard, as we're sitting here a week from today, we'll, we'll know because either State will make an announcement or they won't, and we can sort of have an idea of, of which way they're going. So if you made me put money on it today, I think he'll be back for another season, but I don't really feel confident in that. I'm glad you said it doesn't feel like one weekend should sway you one way or the other, because I think that's a... I'm hesitating, but I think I'm just going to say it. I think that's a very message board approach to running yeah. an athletics department. I well, agree. they got two on the I road agree. from LSU this weekend. You got to keep him. You can't get rid of that guy. Well, they got swept at home. Oh, run him out of town on a rail. I, I just think that's that's a very reactive way, and I don't think that's how you want the leader of your department to make decisions. And, I agree and so, 100%. if if a week ago you believed that without question you have to make a change, I don't think that winning two games on the road should should change that. But if a week ago you were like, I really think he deserves another year, your your opinion shouldn't be bolstered just by what happened this weekend. It's because you believe that this is the guy that should be in charge of the program. And another message on the ceasefire text line. I, I I don't I don't understand. Maybe people just don't keep up. Somebody says bring Henderson back as his pitching coach. There are two problems with the idea of Gary Henderson back at Mississippi State. 
Number one, he is the head coach at a school in the Pac-12. He is the head coach at the University of Utah. That's number one. Number two, he was passed over for the job when Chris Lamonis got the job. It didn't end particularly well, and Gary Henderson wasn't particularly pleased that he didn't get the opportunity to be the head coach because I think he felt like he had done a good enough job to earn that opportunity. And and and, and this is not this is not a shot at the person that, that sent the message today. I just feel like once a week somebody's like, Yeah. Well just get Gary Henderson to be the interim pitching coach. Oh, really? You think he'll just like quit his job at Utah to come be the interim coach, the place that basically fired him? Yeah. I've ever have ever told you my, my Gary Henderson story? I think so, but I don't remember, so, so let's do it again. So it was after a football game. Uh I guess it would have been the twenty eighteen season, the twenty eighteen football season. So the year after he's been let go and Lamonis has been brought in. I was at a breakfast on Sunday morning at uh, at City Bagel, and uh, I go in there, and I'm getting a refill on my drink. And Coach Henderson is right behind me. And I don't know him that well, but I know who he is. And he doesn't know the same with me, probably. He may not have known who I was. But I just said, hey, Coach. And he says, hey, how you doing? And this old lady next to me, her eyes light up. She goes, are you Coach Lamonis? And I was just like, oh. And he couldn't have been nicer. He's <laughs> just like, no, ma'am, I'm not. <laughs> but I was just like, that was the absolute worst thing that lady could have said. I felt so mm. bad. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's tough. That is, <laughs> uh, that is really tough. Um, this is a comment on Wes Johnson as the pitching coach at LSU. Wes Johnson has pitchers getting hurt. Shocker. Um, and then the message says, "Glad you guys brought it brought it up." Hope Selman didn't fall for the smoke and mirrors in Baton Rouge. LSU lost that series just as much as MSU won it. Probably safe to say LSU flat out lost it. But they hired Wes Johnson, so they're sleeping in that bed. Isn't Wes Johnson one of those guys that kind of gets undue hate, or is it just? I mean, especially for Mississippi State fans. Mississippi State fans because he was the pitching coach in a year where State had eight guys go down with UCLs. I mean, I, I, that's 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 a medical anomaly of of the highest order, and you know, there's no way to prove, there's no way to blame Wes Johnson specifically, but it's just a, a ridiculous coincidence. And I mean, if, if you're a doctor. And you know, five people in a year die on your watch. You're probably going to get a little undue hate. Same with Wes Johnson. Eight UCL injuries under his tenure. You know, and and he's going to get. He's going to have to wear that a little bit. There's no way around that. I think the thing is, though, he just keeps getting jobs. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, he, and he has not upgraded just jobs almost every time. Yeah. But good jobs. He's been the pitching coach at Mississippi he's in the majors. State. At Arkansas, at LSU now, with a stop-off in 2018 with the Minnesota Twins. Some people just interview yeah, I mean, him. I'm, I mean, but a Major League Baseball team trusted him with their pitchers. I feel like that's a sign that... For, for three seasons. What happened to him in Stark... Yeah, for what happened in Starkville was was probably a, a just an anomaly, like I said. 
Maybe so. I don't know, man. Frank Reich just got another head coaching job, and uh, he never won a playoff game. And he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback. Sometimes, you, you just once you get there, the, seriously, the best job security in the world is if at any point you become a NFL or NBA coach. At any point. Frank, uh, um, oh gosh, his name's escaping me. He's on the television broadcast now next to Stan Van Gundy. Mark Jackson got interviewed for the Bucks job. Why? Why? He coached their finals. He, win a, he didn't win a finals, did he? No. Mark he Jackson. He kind of helped put that team together a little bit. I mean, they drafted Steph and Clay and Draymond under his watch, but, but he didn't win with them. But Why? Because he at one point was a head coach, and that's all you need to be. It's crazy. The nepotism at at head coach in professional sports is unlike anything absent, you know, hedge fund managers. Yeah. Yeah. Ceasefire text line wasn't Ole Miss about ready to get rid of Bianco about this time last year. Yes. They were. Well, they would have if they hadn't won a national title. But, or a guy gets gotten to College World Series. Yeah, but drawing the parallels to last year's Ole Miss team to this year's Mississippi State team is a little disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ole Miss I mean, was I, ranked number one in the nation at one point. And I, I also get that you were you were trying to do the, the gotcha thing, Richard. Well, you just said your opinion shouldn't change based on one weekend. No, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, that was going to be the most difficult and uncomfortable decision that Keith Carter would have to make. Because, one, Mike Bianco is a really good person, and two, he's won at a really high level for a really long time. But it had come to a point where fan apathy and frustration had set in, and absent making a deep run, people were going to kind of demand a change. But guess what? The the big issue that people had with Mike Bianco was solved, and it wasn't just solved, it was solved with, like, a royal flush. You shouldn't judge on one weekend, but you can if you win a national championship that weekend. It, well, it was, it was four weekends, too. It was, was a regional kind of like, that they cruised It was like through. a five-week stretch also. Well, a well, super regional that they I've, I've, I've kind of wondered this, and I, I don't know that I've asked it, but if he had lost down at Southern... If they if Ole Miss had gotten knocked out in Hattiesburg, what happens? Ooh. In your opinion. This is just your opinion. I I I don't know the answer, but I think there's somebody else that's coaching Ole Miss baseball this year. Wow. So I mean, yeah. When that weekend gets you to Omaha, and then I, I the next weekend was... takes you to the finals, and the next weekend you win the national championship, you can judge off those weekends. Look, I, I know there were a lot of Ole Miss fans that were really, really happy when Ole Miss punched its ticket to Omaha a year ago. There is nobody, maybe Mike Bianco himself included, that was more happy about that outcome in Hattiesburg than Keith Carter not having to do what was going to be just horrible to do. So, and now going to Borky's point from earlier in the show today, 
there's a really interesting offseason coming up for Ole Miss baseball because clearly they've got to rebuild this roster. You're going to have a lot of guys that are going to get drafted from a team that finished last in the SEC. And I think we've seen pretty clearly that folks can have a short memory even when it comes to a national championship. We'll be back. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M Trade Park in Oxford. This weekend, it's the seventh annual U-Triple-S-A Fast Pitch Summer Warm-Up. Over 50 fast pitch teams will be in Oxford at M Trade Park. The weekend of May 26th, it's U-Triple-S-A Baseball, the old glory with 66 teams in town. June 2nd, more U-Triple-S-A Baseball, Mississippi Global State Championships, 94 teams Going to be in town for that. And then on June 9th, it's the U-Triple-S-A Baseball uh, Weekend. The GOAT Global, 72 teams are registered. Want to get your team involved? Visit mtradepark.com. Check on the events page, and you can register there. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Uh We'll get to the college football fix to begin the 5 o'clock hour. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, I promised you on Friday, since we had fewer stations because of Ole Miss baseball, that we would have a uh, little weekend cooking recap. We'll ask Brian Haydad if this is the weekend that he finally smoked some lasagna on the grill. I don't know. We'll just ask. My guess is no, but we'll ask. You, you know what I cooked. But in the meantime... Borky, we got some uh, we got some college football news from Fox. Couple of announcements, couple of their bigger games. Yeah, and then I, maybe we don't do this today because I actually like this quarterback list and it's interesting to me also. But uh, and a long article from friend of the program Ross Dellinger, and I got to make a mental note to reach out to him to get him to come on to talk about the article that he came out with. Remember this time last year we were talking about how the ACC needs to get together and disband, basically? Mm-hmm. Guess what the ACC... Well, seven schools in the ACC, the Magnificent Seven, are trying to do. Get together and get disband, together and disband perhaps? Yes. <laughs> if Let's you're a Duke or Boston yeah, College yeah, fan, yeah. they're the sinister seven. Yeah, Duke's not included. Uh, basketball yeah. didn't carry enough weight, apparently, but... So, so I read that article, and I was right, thinking... I'm, I'm just going to guess. I have not read the article. We're talking um, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, and NC State. Correct. You uh, got it. That, that is them. Uh, but I, I read the whole thing, and I was thinking, and I, and I you know, go to Twitter to gauge the reaction, and a lot of people are talking about just... Oh, wow, that's crazy. Who it is? Where are they going to go? And, and I thought, no, this is a perfect opportunity for college football to save itself. Now's the time. The Pac-12 is a disaster. The Big 12 is going to take four teams from the Pac-12. Uh, here's what you do. The, you use this as the catalyst 
to break football away from the NCAA and you set your own rules and you set your own recruiting rules and you set your own player compensation rules and you do that all and you end all of the chaos. You put in guardrails like the NFL and yes, you pay the kids like they're professionals and you have it structured and standard and public with guardrails and college football will feel like college football again. Go ahead and do it. But you're going to leave some teams out when you do that, aren't you? But you can still play each other. I mean, who says you can't? You play FCS schools, right? I mean, unless the NCAA bans whoever's left behind from participating in competition. What are they? Which they might. They get Jay Monahan running the NCAA now? Exactly. And they won't do that because of the money. I mean, South Alabama needs to play SEC schools, they need the money. So that's going to continue to happen. But this is a perfect opportunity for specifically Greg Sankey to say, you know what? This chaos is going to end up being bad. It's going to end up being bad. Right now we're okay. Ratings are good. Money's good. But this this isn't good. And we need to they need to get some is it power the right word back from the players? Because in the NFL, the $11 billion a year industry, the players don't have all the power. They have half of it. In college football, the players have all the power. It allows you to get power back. It allows you to get control back and essentially save the sport as you know it. And yes, fans are going to have to come to grips with the players that they're getting paid like professionals. However, it would be fairer. I just wonder if fans would maybe be more okay with it than we think because they could stop throwing money away to collectives. I think they would. Like they could go back to giving money to their athletics departments if they wanted to give money and it goes into the salary pool or what. I I don't know. And the ambiguity. I mean, because if you donate, the Grove, we know the people that run the Grove Collective and we know the people that run the Bulldog Initiative. And as far as we know, they're doing great jobs and and they're, they're handling it well and all that. But when you give $100 a month to the Bulldog Initiative, do you know where your $100 is going to? If you give $100 to the Grove Collective, do you know where your $100 a month is going to? No. By design. That's how it has to be. Do that, and you can end all the questions and just get back to it being football again with structure and guardrails. Now is their chance to do it. Hey, the the two football games I was going to tell you about, no huge surprise here. Colorado TCU, noon on Fox, opening Saturday of the season in Fort Worth. And um, the game, Ohio State and Michigan, November 25th on Fox. I know that was shocking. We'll be back. 5 o'clock hour coming up. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line 
601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort. Lots of fun stuff that is happening at Pearl River Resort this summer. You can find out the uh, the full list of stuff online at uh, pearlriverresort.com on the events page. You can buy tickets for Sawyer Brown. You can buy tickets for Jeff Foxworthy, for Fluffy. All of that coming up this summer at uh, Pearl River Resort. All right, here we go. A little college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Michael Borky loves a list, and he's got a quarterback list that, that he actually likes. See, the thing is, Borky loves lists, but I think more than anything, he loves lists that he hates. Yeah. He has a list that he actually likes as it pertains to quarterback rankings. Not not a bad quarterback list from uh, CBS. They just Tom Fernelli, uh, who I like Tom, so it makes sense that I like his list. Um, top 10 quarterbacks in college football going into this 2023 season. So not in the SEC, obviously, because the first one's not, but in all of college football. There's two parts of this list that I, I really, really like, honestly. Okay. So we can go through it, or I can just tell you who they are, or the, the parts I like. Well, let's uh, let's go through them. You want to start at the top and work our way down, or? Let's start at the top. Number one, Caleb Williams. Okay. Hard to argue. Heisman Trophy winner. Number two, Drake May. Everybody's number two. He number can play. Th- number three, Quinn Ewers. Don't like this. What has he proven that Michael Penix has not proven? It's splitting hairs. It's three and four, but and maybe yours has got a higher upside. But in terms of what they've actually put on the field, one is better than the other. Number four on the list, Michael Penix, and some of you may need a reminder. Michael Penix is the quarterback at the University of Washington. Caleb DeBoer going into his second season as the head coach. They put up monster numbers a year ago. You may remember that earlier in Michael Penix's career, before he transferred away from Indiana, Caleb DeBoer was his offensive coordinator at Indiana. DeBoer left there and went to uh, Washington. San, no, there was a stop in between. Oh, yeah, it, was. it was San Diego State for a year. Was it San Diego State? I think that's where he went. For It may, it may not have been San Diego. Anyway, went west. Uh, Fresno State. He was at Fresno for a year. And then got the Washington right. job. And that's when Michael Penix transferred in, had the injury at Indiana. Really, Anyway, that has been a good relationship, and Penix has a chance to put up monster numbers again this year at uh, the University of Washington. Number five on the list, Sam Hartman. The presumed starter at Notre Dame after transferring from Wake Forest to South Bend. 
He is number five on this list from Tom Fornelli. I like that a lot. I've seen so many of these quarterback lists that have people like Bo Nix ahead of Sam Hartman, and it blows my mind. Hartman has thrown for 13,000 yards in his college football career, and nobody respects him. He He was great at Wake Forest. Great at Wake Forest. And not didn't have like the best players around him, but just produced and produced and produced. And now he's going to Notre Dame, and nobody respects him. It's crazy. He's an objectively great college quarterback. Doesn't necessarily project at the next level, but he is a great college quarterback. I think we overuse great, but I would be close to using great. Really, really good. Really, really good. Number six on the list. This I mean, is an interesting one. I'll say he's like he went to Notre Dame. They they pushed their starter out for him. That's a team yeah. that you know plans or wants to at least try to be in the college football playoff discussion. Yeah. Number six on the list, Bo Nix, former Auburn quarterback, now at Oregon. The fact of the matter is, if you're only thinking about Bo Nix through the prism of watching him play at Auburn, you are doing a disservice. He was Really good at Oregon last year. You need a Paul Harvey there. You need the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Because he was really, really solid last year for Oregon. 72% completions, 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions with a QBR of 165. Really good. So so he played the entire season last year at Oregon basically the way he played twice against Ole Miss in his time at Auburn. He wasn't very good against anybody else. He was really good against Ole Miss. Um, two, two of his better passing performances in his uh, his time on the points. We got a, a maybe it's three games against Ole Miss. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, a text by the way uh, asking the team. So uh, Caleb Williams, Southern Cal, Drake, oh, Drake May, North Carolina, Quinn Ewers, Texas, Michael Penix, Washington, Sam Hartman, Wake Forest to Notre Dame. Hadn't played at Notre Dame yet, but via Wake Forest. Bo Nix, obviously the starting starting quarterback at Oregon, the former Auburn quarterback. Number seven on the list, J.J. McCarthy wrestled away that starting job last year from Cade McNamara. No doubt the starter going into the season at Michigan, and it's a Michigan team that most, I think, are picking to win the Big Ten. I would think they would be an odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten, yes. I mean, it's going to come down to Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, it will. Of. And I said it before that right now, for I don't know how you do it and still go undefeated in the other games, but Michigan is built to beat Ohio State year in and year out. Ohio State cannot handle the physicality of Michigan right now. Number eight on this list is a good one. Yeah, I've got a gripe here with why he's behind McCarthy. Jordan Travis, in 35 games at Florida State, has thrown for almost 6,000 yards and 45 touchdowns. He's number eight on the list. If you've not watched Jordan Travis play, he's good. Jordan Travis, to me, outside of Caleb Williams, is probably the number two guy for the Heisman this year. He should have a monster season for a Florida State team that should win a lot of games. And a chance to put himself on a track that will garner that attention throughout the year based on how he plays in Week 1 against LSU in Orlando on a Sunday night where that is the only game going and everybody in America will be watching.
Hundred percent. Yeah. For we what got, it's worth, we got back-to-back text. We got back-to-back text. Isn't Bo Nix like thirty? <laughs> Two different people. Since hey, that. Jordan Travis is like thirty. He recorded stats yeah. in the twenty eighteen season. He is twenty three years I mean, old. Hinden, Hinden, Hinden Hooker was thirty last year. Stetson Bennett, my good. By the way, did y'all see about Stetson Bennett? Was in college since 2016. No, he, he just graduated. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. It was it was Fromm that graduated this past weekend. No, okay, then it's the other way around. Then yeah, Setson Bennett has not graduated yet. Talk about seven years of college down the drain. Hey, he he didn't go there to play school. Uh, he did. Not, Cardell Jones tweeted that, by the way. Yeah, he did. Quote tweeted it was like he didn't come to play school. But mm. why why McCarthy over Travis? Why? One's more athletic, nah, had right. a better season. Travis is better. I mean, if you put Travis on Michigan, it, it would imme- you would immediately consider them a title contender. Whereas sure, right now you're not a title contender. But there's that caveat. Yeah, they're good enough to win the Big Ten, maybe, and get there. But then they're going to run into Georgia, and then you're going to see how that goes. Michigan's been lacking the dynamic quarterback under Harbaugh. That's the one Tra- thing they haven't had. Travis could be three, four spots higher, to be totally honest, yeah. and I wouldn't be against it. He's really, really good. Number eight, or number nine on the list, Michael Pratt. Love this. Give the group of five Tulane. guys some love. He's a great player. Why not? Why not? Good Lost player. Really good. All of his weapons on offense from last year's team, God bless him, but he's a good player that deserves some preseason love. Number 10, is this JT Daniels? Yes. No, it's not. It's not Jaden. It's got to be Jaden Daniels I, at LSU. Yes, oh, okay. Jaden Daniels. Okay. Oh my gosh, I, I was really about to legitimately get upset. <laughs> Jaden Daniels at LSU ranked as the number ten quarterback in the country. <laughs> Where is JT Daniels anyways? Is still West Virginia, or didn't he, didn't he, he go somewhere else? No, no, he's somewhere else now. JT Daniels is with Rice. He's at Rice. Oh my God. <laughs> what a journey it's been for JT Daniels. We'll be back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Premier Collegiate Wood Bat League in the South as Cotton State's baseball is back for its 15th season with games played at BNA Bank Park in June and July in New Albany. The registration deadline is passed for college players, but you've got until June 2nd for high school and junior high players to get their registration in, their applications in to be a part of Cotton State's baseball. It's affordable, features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and for up-and-coming junior high and high school players. Complete stats, packages, and results are posted nightly during the season. Check out Cotton State's League on Facebook, Twitter, and on other social media outlets. Again, their website CottonStatesLeague.com, the application deadline for high school and junior high players. A couple of weeks away. It's coming up on June 2nd. That's CottonStatesLeague.com. 
com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. We do a Food Friday. You know about that. But uh, a lot of you were with Ole Miss Baseball when we went through our Food Friday plans on Friday afternoon. So how about a little bit of a weekend cooking review brought to you by Polks and PolksMeat.com. When you go to the grocery store, be sure that you are looking for the Polks Meat Packaging it's absolutely fantastic. Whether you're getting the Cajun smoked sausage, the garlic and green onion, the original smoked sausage, maybe you're getting their hot dogs or their ham steaks, whatever it is that you are looking for, they can take care of you. And if you can't find the Polk's meat products at your local grocery store, find the manager of the meat department and tell him, no buts about it, buddy. Picky people pick Polk's. Let's get some Polk's at this grocery store or at a grocery store near you. That carries them. You will find them just about everywhere you shop in Mississippi. So, hey, Dad, you uh, you told us about the cooking plans for the weekend. You had Mother's Day. Mother's Day was going to be steaks, but then you decided not necessarily to go with steaks. You instead got a beef tenderloin, or I guess you got a prime rib, didn't you? Prime rib, what you? Yes. So, so tell me prime about rib. the prime rib. How did it go? I went really, really well. I was very pleased, and, my, and so was my wife. She, you know, she told me. Um, you know, when we go out for steak, she would never order prime rib. You know, mm-hmm. She's not a big prime rib person, so she was a little concerned, but she said it was really, really good. So I, I was I was pleased with that. I thought it came out great. I had to cook it a little more for her. Uh, you know, normally I would have pulled that thing off about you know where it was in the medium rare range. Had to go to medium for her, but still plenty of juice, plenty of of red and pink in the in the center there. So it was really really good. And more importantly for me, my first foray into baking went well. The brownies came out really, really good. Uh, I was I was impressed with myself. They tasted like the brownies my mom made and that my wife makes. I did. I had no faith in my ability to pull that. Were one they off. a little gooey? Uh, did I, you leave them just a little gooey in the middle? Still, just a little touch. Well, they had some uh, some chocolate chunks in the mix, so that 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 helped that as well. So, hmm. Okay. So and the ice cream and you did this. The, this uh, was, the this candy was a big kitchen weekend for. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big kitchen weekend. We got some new appliances this week, so it was this big kitchen weekend for the hate what, what what new appliances did you get? Oh, we got a new fridge, and uh, we are now a two and a half fridge family. So we are Whoa. that is the height of luxury. Whoa! And we got the one that you know the hey. water and the ice in it now. So. Now, now hold on. And uh, hold on. Yeah, you almost daily make reference to cross money. Mm. Yeah, and you have two and a well, half refrigerators in your home. That's one and, and a half more and than now, most people. One and a half, and we have two freezers too. So, hey, we, we have money. a lot of space. In, let in let fairness, me tell you more no, about no. the success of Thunder and Lightning. Hey, yo. In fairness, the, the the this was a gift. The the my mom bought us a couple. Of new, our fridge went out last week, and we were gonna have to buy a new one. She was like, "I haven't done anything for y'all in a while. I'll just buy you a new fridge and a new dishwasher." And I was like, "Okay, thanks, mom." I'm I'm not saying no. So. Yeah, so new fridge, new dishwasher. So the, and, uh, the one that went out, you, you decided it wasn't actually broken and you moved the, it to the garage so or the, something? The, the freezer part of it went out. Okay. It still gets cold, but it doesn't get freezing cold. So we're just using it as a big fridge now. Okay. And we already had like a little half drink fridge that we keep. We just keep our, our, our canned drinks in and bottled waters and stuff. So, so are you garage fridge with the older one now? It's in, It's in the laundry room, but yeah. Okay. That's going to find I finally have a place now where if I want to like do wings and like let them dry out overnight, I got space for that now. I can make that happen. The garage so, fridge is one of the, and stuff. 
It's one of the great things of all time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. Yeah. Can't have enough space. And a new dishwasher, too. Correct, yes, which we we need it. Because the old one was like, you had to run it two cycles to get the dishes clean. Ah. Now it's just yeah. one. How, how much washing of the dishes do you guys do before you put it in the dishwasher? I give them a rinse. I, yeah, yeah. If, if there's like chunk of food on there, that, that's coming off. But just some crumbs, put it in. I've got a friend that's a psychopath, or at least I think he is. Now, he's got a nicer washer than I do. No. I mean, if it's like a gigantic piece of food, like he will take that off. But otherwise, doesn't rinse at all. Just puts him in there and just hopes nothing goes wrong. That gives me anxiety. There's no way that that won't lead to problems down the road. You know, our appliance situation is is unique right now. Um, you, you guys know that we moved into a new, older house a couple of years ago, and the plan was to eventually remodel the kitchen, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, and, and so it's like... It was a really nice refrigerator in, like, 1978. It's less nice now, but it's functional. And it's like a the, the cooktop, the electric cooktop, not gas. Then there's, like, an older microwave that's been in, and the, 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 the dishwasher is functional. Um, when there was, like, the appliance shortage and it was taking forever, and I thought we were moving forward with the... Um, the, the kitchen renovation before we kind of put that on hold. Hey, Dad, I went ahead and we, we, we bought the new stove, the, the range, and it is sitting in a box on a pallet in my garage. And so one day there is going to be a nice new stove range in the kitchen, but we have not gotten to that day yet. Jane keeps saying, do we need to look at it? And I mean, No, we're not unpacking anything. It's going to stay protected as it is. She said, well, what if something's broken on it? Like, well, we'll have to deal with that if it ever happens. All right, Borky, what would you cook this weekend? Oh, the crawfish boil was great. Yep. As always, especially my buddy that makes it always does a really good did job. You, so did you participate in the cooking of, or were you just an observer? Just a bystander. Um, the the little guy loves crawfish, by the way. Loves mm-hmm. it. I was pumped up about that. I was wondering, you know, the spices, maybe that would turn him off. No shot. Three-year-old, they were spicy, too. There's okay. A, and he loved it. And then also, uh, speaking of polks, this is a true story. I ate two. I'm on this weight loss thing, and, like, I'm dieting and, and working out and all that, trying to look good. And I ruined that all because I ate two full links of polk sausage in an entire block of cheddar cheese Ooh. with saltines and I would I would put them together and dip them in barbecue sauce in one sitting I, I know did not, exactly I did not how many calories up. I know exactly how many calories is in a f- full two links of polk sausage is it so, over under 2000 it's under under all right good 16 1600 well then you factor in the it's 100 calories and an ounce and everything else. Oh, yeah the block of cheddar though you know I ruined it all. Stay with you for a while. Man, it was great. I caught up on a couple shows and I was just eating sausage and cheese plate, man. That was a it was a great day. Uh, a couple of notes on the ceasefire text line uh, line Hollingsworth told us on uh, on Friday about Mississippi corn. That was the uh wrap yeah. the corn and bacon in the husk and then fold the husk back up. And he yeah. said the corn cooks in the bacon grease. 
Uh, he said, Mississippi corn's the best we've had in a long time. The Polk's Cajun Sausage Canood. Slice it down the middle. Slice the smoked Gouda in the middle and Carolina Gold Mustard Barbecue Sauce poured over it. Then on the egg, take the sausage off, close it back up, glaze it again, then bake it for five to seven minutes. It's ready to eat. He said, and we did five packages of Polk's. That a boy. Sounds incredible. How many that calories in five packages of, uh, that's, that's, uh, carry yeah. the one, 1600 9, times two. That's, uh, that is a lot. There you go. Uh, I'd be, uh, wonder, wonderful. Uh, Steven Kasuth says, just an FYI, you guys got my family started on Polk's. The Cajun is the absolute bomb. Thank you, Steve. I, I hope our friends at Polk's heard that. Um, great people. Great Mississippi company. It's been a family company for a really long time. Uh, Mike in Oxford, hey, Dad, wants to know if you did marijuana brownies. No, no, no my kids were, were eating them, too. So. Yeah, okay. Dwayne and Brandon said we did a dual college high school graduation get-together on Saturday. Yabbies with sausage, corn, potatoes, and, yes, borky mushrooms. We put the shrooms in an old-fashioned pantyhose. It keeps them separated. He says, I can eat an entire pantyhose by myself. Still remains the only guy I've ever heard call crawfish yabbies. Yeah, well, he sticks with it. Hey. There you go. So that's a uh, food recap Monday brought to you by Polks. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polks. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to the back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. If you find yourself in the market for a new or used automobile, especially if it's a Ford or a Toyota, may I make a suggestion? Check in with my folks, my friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. We've got a great selection of new and used vehicles on the lot. They are a family-owned company. The Belk family has been in the automobile business since the 1920s. They have been a Ford dealer since 1961, and they treat you like their dealership is. It's a family-owned dealership, and they treat you like family when you walk through the door. They'll take care of you. They will make you feel important. They will understand the needs that you've got for your new or used vehicle, and then they will help you come up with the best deal that they absolutely can. Big selection of F-150s on the lot. I've been a Belt Ford customer since I was 16 years old. It's longer than I care to think about. That's 26 years now, and uh, it's the only place that I shop for Ford trucks. And uh, you will love it if you shop with them as well. It's Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. They're also the presenting sponsor of the ninth Annual Destination Oxford Car Show that is coming up this weekend, May 20th, in and around the square in downtown Oxford. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, presenting sponsor of the ninth annual Destination Oxford Car Show in downtown this coming weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us this afternoon. 
Hey, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, and this may be a plug that we're not supposed to do, but I just think it's a great story. So everybody knows about Dick Sporting Goods, a uh, you know, huge corporate behemoth, whatever. They are celebrating their 75th anniversary. And the Dick Sporting Goods Foundation is awarding grants to a lot of different entities. And they tweeted, sometimes in the smallest towns you'll find the strongest hearts. Grant 11 of 75. To celebrate our 75th anniversary, the Dick's Dicks Foundation is honored to award Amory Fast Pitch Softball with $75,000 to help the program continue to show how sports changes lives. Obviously, Amory had the devastation to its high school. Much of its athletics facilities were destroyed with the uh, with the tornadoes that came through earlier in the spring. And so a $75,000 grant coming from the Dick Sporting Goods Fan Foundation to help with the, the rebuilding process. There's so much work that's got to be done in and around Amory. Uh, as they continue to rebuild. I just thought that was a really cool story, and congratulations to the uh, fast-pitch softball program at uh, at Amory for being the recipient of that award, uh, certainly deserving. Happy for them that uh, they're going to have that um, that money to, uh, to go to help rebuild and uh, continue to strive for success with their softball program. That's cool stuff. Maybe that should have gone on the winners list when we did winners and losers earlier today. Yeah, maybe we didn't. Uh, we got a, a handful of text about a significant loser yet again. John Morant. Oh yeah. What is that guy doing? It's sad, man. Um, also, no, another Instagram video where he's brandishing a gun, and, and he has been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies. From all team now, I don't know what real team activities you get going. I guess summer league stuff, but that's not really for veterans as much. So. He'll he'll get sus- he's probably not allowed at the facility. He'll get suspended rather significantly to start the season. I, I saw Will Kane uh, earlier, and I know he's a political pundit, but he used to work at ESPN, and his rant today was: "Doesn't John Moran have the same Second Amendment rights as everybody?" And the answer is yes, absolutely. In fact, if I was advising these athletes, I would encourage them to participate in that, knowing that they're kind of targets. You've seen it in the past. Professional athletes have been targeted for home invasions. Uh, people try to steal their cars because you know that, that that's a, as a recognizable wealthy person, you become a target, so you should protect yourself. It's not that he has a weapon. It's that he has... He's in the middle of a legal situation where he allegedly pulled that weapon on a 17-year-old because of a pickup basketball game. That, that That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. He has been involved in multiple confrontations where he brought a large group of people to a high school volleyball game or to the mall to mess with a, a worker at a shoe store to the point where they had to escort him out of the back of the mall to make sure that he was safe to get into his car. And yes, multiple times he has held that weapon up against his head on Instagram Live. And he's not getting arrested, Will Kane, but the league can also punish him for not painting them in the most appropriate light. And even somebody that's an advocate for the Second Amendment would agree that he's irresponsible with that firearm. It's just remarkably stupid. 
And when this happened the first time and the league punished him for eight games and he went to some kind of rehab for three days, like that's enough to correct bad behavior. Uh, he has nobody in his life that's willing to help him truly stop acting like this. When did being a successful basketball player stop being enough? Why do you have to be something else? Well, and probably because of his off-the-court incidents, he was... Um, it's why I didn't make the All-NBA first, second, or third team. And not making yeah. the All-NBA teams cost him about $100 million. He, uh, he is currently playing on a $194 million contract that will begin this coming season. It could have been escalated to a Supermax contract... I'm sorry, it cost him about $39 million in future earnings. Yeah. And what's, what do you, I mean, he's got endorsement deals with Nike and with Powerade. Um, how's that going to be affected? I mean, he is absolutely affecting his livelihood, and he's just making poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. He told ESPN in an interview after his eight-game suspension during the season that he realizes, quote, what I have to lose, and said that he would try to be, quote, more responsible, more smarter, and staying away from all the bad decisions, close quote. He has not gotten more smarter yet. Uh, I was listening to Cowherd on this. On top of everything else, like, who are his friends? Why are you putting out that video knowing what he's doing sitting next to you in the seat? Like... He needs to. I mean, we talk about running better circles. Never mind the the, the behavior. You got to run with smarter people who understand how to protect your image. It, that's that's the part that's just mind boggling to me. That that guy. I don't know who the other guy in the video is, but it's not John Morant. He's not making John Morant's money. He's probably friends with John Morant because John Morant has the money he has. Why would you endanger that? Yeah. Dumb. Somebody's got to step in though. The, the Grizzlies haven't done enough. Clearly. The, the league needs to do more. It, it's it's a shame. I mean, he's got friends, he's got family, and man, after reading that story about what happened with with his group on the loading bay with the the Indiana Pacers, where the Pacers claim that somebody in the car that he was in pointed a rifle at them. As they were pulling away, you, you, God willing, this doesn't happen. But you point a gun at the wrong person while riding in a car. And it's not just your career you lose. Like that, that's the kind of stuff that waving around guns leads to. That's what it leads to. Yep. That, that, that's why. In our home, the first thing we teach is gun safety. I mean, my 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 son is going to grow up with firearms. First thing we do, we, we talk about safety. And it's teaching how to use them responsibly. I understand that that's different than what we're talking about here. But if you practice gun safety, you're not just waving a 9mm around in the car. So, yeah. Um, we got a message on the ceasefire text line. Is Mike Bianco not being interviewed this afternoon? No. The athletics department at Ole Miss for the student athletes that weren't able to participate in graduation this past weekend, 
had a uh, an internal graduation ceremony this afternoon that was happening from four to six. Mike texted me earlier in the day so that he wasn't going to be able to make it this afternoon, um, and so that's why we're not talking with him. Has nothing to do with results on the field or anything else. He just wasn't available today, uh, and I think that's the first time this season that he's uh, been unavailable to uh, visit with us. We've moved his time. He's been. Incredibly uh, consistent with that. So we uh, always appreciate his time, just not working out today. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you this afternoon. You, as always, can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Tyler in Corinth says, I've been a Grizzlies fan since the move to Memphis. He doesn't get 50 games off. I'm checking out for a while. Unacceptable. He's probably not getting a 50-game suspension. But it may be significant. Somebody else says it's related to video games. These kids play videos where you get points for killing and stealing. Nobody wants to talk about that, but I think it's a huge problem. I still play video games where you get points for killing and stealing, and I haven't shot anybody in my life. I don't even own a gun. Yeah. But I don't think that is a negligible point either. I mean, I, I think there are some people that grow up thinking that that is okay. You just happened that you didn't grow up that way. You grew up with Super well, Mario Brothers where it was pounce on mushrooms. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you blue. Appreciate Scott Berry and Chris Lamonis joining us today on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Glad to be with you one last time this afternoon. So we have one weekend left. There are a few midweek games that are happening this week. One weekend left for college baseball. And we're going to look at the projections coming up later. By the way, I couldn't help but laugh. I saw a Wes Rucker tweet this weekend after, um, you know, Tennessee was swinging it pretty good. And uh, he goes, this team is just so hard to beat at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And then Kentucky closed it out with a 10 nothing win over the Vols. Tennessee got 2-3 or three this weekend. Kentucky has the number one RPI and the number two strength of schedule in the country. Wake Forest is two. South Carolina is three. Arkansas is four. LSU is five. Talking about the RPI. Florida, six. Vanderbilt, seven. And that's even with Vanderbilt, as Haydad pointed out earlier, in a little bit of a tailspin as of late. Alabama is up to number 10 in the RPI. Wow. They've they have gone they're hot right now since they let Bohannon go. It's I mean it's to the point where you're like, was he throwing games? That's a, because they they they're winning without him. They have completely rallied. That's a great story. When you have a coach that's possibly not working against you, it's amazing the things you that you can accomplish. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. I wonder how long that's going to take. By the way. Because you know they're reviewing every single Alabama loss. I wonder how long that's going to take. Yeah. 
before some like new revelations Wait, you, come. You, you think that loss that they had to Columbia might be getting a little scrutiny? Oh, you from know earlier in the year. Little... They got swept um, by Columbia, right? Mm, let's see here. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. They lost two of three. They got beat ten to seven, one six to two, and lost fifteen okay. to three in the final. You know, if I'm the sports book in Cincinnati, Ohio, I'm going back. And if there were bets yeah. placed on Columbia, that I mean, you know, they're going to have to do that every game. It's crazy the depths of this. Yeah. They lost two of three to Florida, two of three to Kentucky, lost two of three to Arkansas, lost two of three to Mississippi State. They beat Auburn two out of three. You know, whatever you're doing in terms of throwing games, that all goes out the window when you're playing Auburn. Let me just set that aside for a minute. <laughs> uh, they swept Missouri, got swept by LSU, and then Brad Bohannon was fired. Took two of three from Vandy, two of three from Texas A&M. Wow. That's impressive, man. I never thought I'd see... I, I truly never thought that I would see a coach being involved in something like that. Officials, obviously, we know that that's already happened. Players, sure. You can get to a player. Never thought I'd see the day where a coach would be involved in something like that, ever. And yet, here we are. And no comment, no state. Have you heard anything from Brad Bohannon? No. He is, he is shut up. Yeah, not even the standard, like, I hired an attorney and my attorney's going to tell everybody I'm innocent statement. Like, not even that. It's because they've got him on video and audio talking to a guy placing a bet against his team. (laughs) What's he going to say? He's just going to pull the shaggy defense? It wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. No, hey, not that shaggy. The other shaggy. It works for a good bit of our oh, politicians, man. honestly. You just say I didn't do it, and then it eventually goes away. People get bored, man. We got the attention span of a golden retriever puppy. So you got the uh, same confidence and swag of a politician. I never really got that vibe from Brad Bohannon, but who knows? Nah. Um, Cross, most of the time, your smug is laughable. Whatever Haydad played, he obviously had a grip on the difference between games and reality. I believe that's the point that he was making. My smugness sometimes is laughable. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement. Is that being smug, or were we, were we just kind of debating a point? I, we actually we had a pretty darn good conversation during the break. Just yeah. didn't hear that on the radio. I'll say what I said, though. Smart people are smart, and stupid people are stupid. And doesn't matter what video games you play. If you're smart, you're smart, and if you're stupid, you're stupid. <laughs> Rhino just slid into Borky's Rhino's chair. agreeing he, with us. I think you just got an amen from the, uh, the back You can there. continue the political discussion tomorrow on the Paul Gallo Show, hosted by Richard Cross. Yeah, that's happening in the morning. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Rhino, why don't you come hang out with me at 6 in the morning? Oh, thank you. That's my Have a man. good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.